Mantasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa This evening I would like to talk about meeting physical pain with right understanding and full uh, full understanding and right mindfulness. So if you are having pain or planning to have pain, <laughs> this talk is good for you. The title is very clear, physical pain. Of course, there's also emotional pain that we can talk about later. But it's, I'm choosing these two ways, which is right mindfulness and full understanding, for a very good reason. Because most people, when they face pain, they just want to reach out for something like a tablet. Nobody wants to understand suffering. Next time when pain arises, I want to understand suffering. People will not understand you. <laughs> the most popular way to deal with pain is to get rid of it. But here we are understanding it fully and having right mindfulness is very, very important. From my experience, as a kid, I had a lot of pain. I remember when I was growing up, my father told me never to go on the top of the building. I didn't listen. And I, like, uh, our siblings also, they didn't listen, so we, we took a ladder and climbed up. Usually my dad used to come back home at six, but this time he came back at three. We are all up in the building. I was the youngest one. The, el more, the elder one, they saw the coupling in the park, and they went down the ladder, and then they removed it. <laughs> By the time I came, there was no ladder. I jumped. This hand turned the other way around. And it was the most excruciating pain that I've ever had in my life. They took me to a chiropractor. I'm telling you, she go, grabbed the hand like this and twisted it like this back into the position. I hated her. <laughs> Not as a monk, <laughs> before I became a monk. <laughs> That's a long time ago. <laughs> I wasn't born as a monk, and in case it's not obvious. <laughs> but I can tell you, I hated her. I will never forget, uh, I have never forget, forgotten even her name. 
every evening I had to go there sunset and sunrise. It was horrible. And I did no mindfulness. I suffered a lot. That's when I remember very well that I wished I had the tools to deal with it. You know? Then in 99, I came here. Of course, I got to know about mindfulness when I was in India as a student in 1990s. And I got to know about mindfulness. And I heard you can meditate for three months. Uh, I said, it's maybe impossible. So I did what I wanted to do, traveling around South America. And then I ended up here, right there. And then I saw people had no cushions. Some people, some have had one cushion. And I went through a lot of pain because I spent one year traveling in Brazil and Bolivia and uh, Chile. One year traveling. So I, didn't, I, I was not used to sitting for a long time. I sat on the first cushion, I, pain was coming. Then I brought the second one, it was coming. The third one, pain was coming. Meantime, my height was going above <laughs> all other yogis. <laughs> pain was finding me all the time. Maybe you're familiar with this kind of uh, attitude to pain. And you can go around, look, uh, a little bit of survey you can make. how. Pain is unwanted. We have a small cushion. Actually, it's only in America. You don't find this in Asia. One cushion for left hand, another cushion for the right one, another cushion for this one. <laughs> What's the land of plenty? <laughs> this is a land of plenty, actually. <laughs> You're not going to find this in Asia, definitely. <laughs> not where I meditated. <laughs> in Burma, you know, people sit on flat mats, you know. They don't have this. What a, a land which is full of plenty. <laughs> so it's very clear that pain is not wanted. Hmm? But what's very strange, with all this propping our hand and all this, it still finds us. What's, what's going on here? <laughs> Always pain sneaks in and finds us. I've tried it, I don't know, you can keep on trying. <laughs> so, during three months, I decided to find out why some people are sitting only in one cushion. And for me, I was on three. I found out there must be something they're doing. I made sure that I go for my walking meditation because I was cutting my med walking meditation. After sitting meditation, I would go for a cup of tea. And they had all these assortments huh, of green tea, uh, caramel tea. I love the tea here in 1999. I'm telling you, every time I was sitting, I say, yeah, can't wait to go and have tea. <laughs> so after sitting, the bell rings. I go there. There's a line, a few people. So by the time I get my cup of tea, it's already 25 minutes. So by the time I finish my tea, I go to look for my walking path. Some of it was occupied by other people. Not a good idea, again. <laughs> yeah, I start lo to look for another path. 
So by the time I found the right path for me, for walking, it's five minutes. Then the bell rings. So I was cutting most of my walking periods. <laughs> so I, I was not atten attending to my walking uh, meditation. So uh, you can see the pain kept on piling and piling and piling. Then I went to my teacher. How's your walking meditation? Mm, sometime 10 minutes. <laughs> he said, no, you should balance. You know? So th then I started balancing walking meditation and sitting meditation. I think it was getting better. And then, of course, uh, one time I went to feed the birds there with seeds like this. And then I was sending them loving kindness. And then they were afraid of eating seeds from my hand. And then I kept on standing there, sending compassion and loving kindness. They kept on coming in my hand and falling here, over here. I was full of joy, you know. And then with that joy, I came back and sat. I'm telling you, I was like floating on my cushion, just feeding birds. I don't know if yogis are still doing it these days. Yeah, but we used to do it those days, 1999. You just get your seeds, put them here, and go and feed them. Maybe not now, but I'm telling you, it was amazing. When I was having all this joy, I just came back to sit. There was no problem. So that shows that when we change our attitude to pain, we can deal with it. We can deal with it. The same principle I used when I was training as a monk in 2001 in San Jose, I had a lot of pain because the teacher told me, you sit for two hours. How long you sit? 45 minutes? In our monastery, the teacher said, go for two hours, no problem. And then we had Vietnamese people who were sitting for four hours in a stretch. Here I am training as a monk, I'm reporting my sitting to my teacher. Oh, I've been sitting for an hour. He said, you can't sit for an hour and a half or two? I said, no, I have a lot of pain. He said, no, you have to meditate. <laughs> you have to be mindful of pain. So I went there and sat, sat. Of course, after one hour, pain kicked in. Uh, I said, no, now I'm going to report to my teacher that I was just sitting only one hour. I had a lot of pain, but not normally the pain that comes from meditation. Actually, it was physical because I, uh, I lifted so many things, uh, beds and all that, changing in the apartment. So I had really physical pain before going to meditate. So when pain came, I decided to change my relationship to pain. Whenever pain came, of course, before I was resisting, I was seeing it as a ghost, really coming to really kill me and attack me. So this time I said, okay, what if I see this pain as a friend? So whenever pain came, I would say, welcome, my friend, here you come. Because it was actually the knee was hurting. And I would say, oh, welcome, my friend. I don't know if you can start doing that, but for me it worked. As soon as I changed the relationship, seeing instead of seeing pain as a ghost, I was seeing it as a friend. So then I was not resisting a lot. Most of the pain that we go through is a lot of resistance. We have a lot of resistance, even thinking about it.
because we try to compare to the past pain or the future pain. Now, here's a few things I'm going to share with you. Hope they will make sense. This is my experience about meditation and pain. Because sometimes we go for long retreats, two months, four months, and then you have a lot of pain. What are you going to do? Maybe in your experience, you've started multiplying your pain. Okay, pain today, oh, I'm sitting for another six weeks. So if you multiply, that pain, of course, becomes huge, very difficult to deal with. So, but let's share a few things that uh, maybe will help you to deal with the pain. The first thing that you need to know is attitude. What's the attitude you bring when pain comes to you? When pain is visiting you, unwanted visitor. The first thing I do is attitude. What's my attitude to this pain? It's very, very important to have a proper attitude, a right attitude. That can change, depends on how you deal with the pain. The few attitudes that uh, comes when people have pain. One is trying to get rid of hmm, when pain is uh, raging. So some meditators adapt an attitude of getting it, getting rid of or getting rid of pain. Now, this is okay, but the problem, and it's a big problem, pain has a different schedule to keep. Hmm? <laughs> That's the biggest problem, <laughs> because it comes due to causes and condition. If that's your attitude, of course, it's good to have pain away. Eh? It's good to have no pain. But the problem is always we get frustrated. Sometimes pain comes due to causes and conditions. And some of, sometimes those conditions are outside our control. And on top of this, the reason why we meditate is to get rid, rid of attachment, desire. But this attitude brings in some degree of desire to, have, to get rid of pain. Hmm? So there's desire. So we are here to overcome desire and then pain comes and you have desire to get rid of it. You don't want to adapt this kind of attitudes because every time you are going to keep on checking in. Oh, it's still there. Oh, I should. What am I doing wrong? Still there? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> no, you're doing right, everything right. <laughs> but pain, it will go sometime due to causes and conditions. That's one uh, attitude. Another attitude, the second one, is while you, while you have desire to get rid of pain, then you develop what you call an aggressive attitude. Hmm? In other words, you have aversion, and then 
you say, I'm going to really sail through this pain. So you become very tough. And then you have anger, hatred, you hate your knee, maybe the cushion. IMS should understand better to get softer cushions. <laughs> you hate the cushion, you hate everything. You hate your knee also. So this attitude also is not good because you keep on cultivating hatred, anger, aversion towards uh, everything. And the reason why you meditate is to overcome this mental defilement, of course. The third attitude is not so common, but it comes. Uh, I remember people uh, uh, expressing it. Is when there's pain, most people, what they do is to ignore it. They just go to the breath and breathing in, breathing out. Pain is raging. Pain is really, really <laughs> present, but people choose to ignore it. And they come to their primary object. That's what you call ignorance. You are ignoring pain. So you don't want to cultivate ignorance. The third attitude is what you want to adapt, but is not very common and not popular, <laughs> is the attitude of fully understanding, try to understand the nature of pain. My friends, this is the best attitude. When pain is present, you say, okay, you know, I'm, go I'm very curious. What is, what is this thing called pain? I want to know. Is that weird? <laughs> it's, it's not popular. Most people don't do it, you know. And yet, one time, the Buddha asked monks that if other ascetics, uh, religious sects, uh, religious leaders approach you and they ask you, why are you living a holy life under the Buddha? What are you going to answer? The monks didn't know what to answer. Then the Buddha replied that the reason why you live a holy life under the Buddha is for the full knowing, for the full knowing of what is to be fully known. That's why your training under me is for the full knowing of what is, what is to be fully known. In these statements, uh, the Buddha really clearly say that is for the understanding of the five aggregates. The five aggregates, somebody will talk about them. That means the form, physical form, feelings. Painting, painting is one of, the, of the, the five aggregates. It comes under feelings. Yeah? Uh, when you talk about physical pain, it's also part of the sensations, physical pain, and of course we react to it. Then it goes into uh, the third aggregate, which is uh, our reaction to pain. Sometimes aversion. Uh, Sometimes uh, we how uh, we have fear around pain. So that's the the, the 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 sorry the fourth aggregate, which is mental formation. The third is perception, mental formation, 
and consciousness. So we have physical body, we have perception, uh, sorry, we have physical body, feelings, perception, mental formation, and consciousness. So when we understand these five aggregates, which are uh, uh, subject to clinging, so then we actually can gain wisdom and free ourselves from suffering. We are no longer clinging on to these five aggregates. So this is a very, very important uh, statement by the Buddha so that you, you fully understand what's pain. So are you ready to fully understand? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Some of you say, no, no, it's impossible. When pain arises, how am I going to start un uh, this understanding? So I tell you the first thing is to have a proper attitude. That is going to lead the way once you have the proper attitude. Right? So... Is Stephen here? Stephen? Uh, maybe not. Yeah, yeah, he was supposed to bring some water. I think. I've got dry throat. It's becoming painful. <laughs> That's the reality of life. <laughs> we made a deal <laughs> with my assistant. <laughs> and I had expectations about hot water. And he is the time that I needed. <laughs> so you can meditate now. Okay, let us meditate. <laughs> Take a few slow deep breaths to oxygenate the blood. Let go of the past and future. See in the body if there's pain or not. Thank you, Sally. <laughs> okay, the first thing is attitudes. The second one? is now you activate what you call right mindfulness. All my uh, teacher uh, colleagues here have talked about mindfulness, right mindfulness. I have nothing to say about that. You have done a good job to introduce what's right mindfulness. Sally, Guy, all of us, I think we have talked about right mindfulness. But this one teacher who trained me is called Sado Pandita, both at the for, both at the forest refuge and then uh, in Burma. I like the way he used the word observing power. The word observing power. It speaks to me because when I was a kid in Uganda, preschool, I used to love observing flowers. 
I would just spend time and observing flowers and bees around them. I would even get late home and they ask me, where have you been? I've been observing flowers. <laughs> they were not happy, but for me I was happy. <laughs> so even today I was walking and I was looking at a tree and observing a tree there, a big tree. I like to observe actually. Sometimes people ask me, what are you doing? I'm observing. <laughs> I'm occupying space. <laughs> yeah, some people really get bothered why, especially in Uganda, sitting there doing nothing, according to them. <laughs> but for me, I'm doing something. <laughs> so observing for me is very, very important. So right mindfulness to me, of course, I know from the suttas, the discourses, it has the components of effort, sampajanya, uh, clear, clear, clear understanding. It has also sati in itself. But I like to look at it, the word right as complete and perfect. That means other factors of the Noble Eightfold Path are conjoined with full understanding, with right thoughts, and uh, with right effort, with the right concentration. All those things are there actually. So once they're all together there, I can see that it's right mindfulness. But the word observing powers speaks to me because I like to observe the breath. I like to observe pain. So this uh, helps me to understand what I'm doing. Right. Now, the second way to deal with the pain, now you have adapted the proper attitude, is to start to be mindful of pain itself. The presence of pain, pay attention to it. Pain, 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 and then come back to the primary object, home object. Don't say pain, pain, pain. No, no, no. <laughs> it's just a soft mental note to help you land to your experience. A soft mental note helps me to uh, to observe pain and then you come back to your your primary object this works very well when pain is of low intensity that means it can allow me to observe it and come back to my primary object but sometimes pain is dominant. Pain has an upper hand and whenever you become aware of pain and then come back to the breath, you cannot even settle on the breath. It's too much. In other words, it is, it is taking all your awareness, you, all your attention. So that's what I call pain when it is in a high degree of intensity. So in that case, I try to use what we call full understanding. The Pali word is called parinya. Parinya. Parinya means full understanding. And there are three kinds of full understanding according to the scriptures, uh, Buddhist literature. There's full understanding of what is to be known, full understanding 
through investigation and full understanding through abandoning wrong views about something. So this is very, very important to have what you call full understanding. Again, Pali language is a bit precise. So we have all these words ending up in nya, 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 nya. There's panya, which is wisdom. Then there's sanya, which is perception. Then we have abinya, which is higher knowledge. Then we have, uh, then we have this one I'm introducing to you is called parinya, which means full understanding, having a, a full range of understanding of what pain is and other things, of course. So now, if pain is of higher degree hmm, and it's taking my awareness away from my primary object, I go in for full understanding. Of course, mindfulness also has to go along, right? So it's not that you have abandoned mindfulness, right mindfulness, still goes along with full understanding. So in this case, what I do, I break pain, what you call pain, I break it into different strands. Let's say throbbing, pressure, hammering, stabbing. I try to isolate those things. And then, as Sally also mentioned it yesterday, uh, you want to break pain into small parts. And these small parts, and I used it actually when I was training as a monk in 2001 in San Jose, you use the elements, the four elements. The elements, I'm sure you are familiar with them. Are you familiar with the elements, four elements? Okay, earth element, the property of earth element is hardness and softness. So try to break pain into that element. So when pain is raging, what are you experiencing? Is it hardness? Is it softness? So try to isolate that. Because when you break something into small parts, it's doable. Before it's pain here, pain there, pain all over. But now you're observing really small parts, right? Is hardness, is softness. Then fire element, the property of fire element is hotness and coolness. Then when there's physical pain, try to look for that element. Is it hardness? Is it softness? Uh, so, sorry, for the fire, is it, is it hotness? Or is it cool, this coolness? So you find out when you've been sitting on a cushion for such a long time, it's like sitting on a, a hot pan. Hmm? Have you experienced that? Yes. I think that you have this fire even. And uh, maybe sometime our, in Bavana Society in West Virginia, our floor is heated in winter. So it's very, very warm. <laughs> But here it's not. I'm, I can tell you this floor is not heated. It's your pain, basically. <laughs> In case you feel hotness, definitely. That's the element. Actually, whenever this element is out of balance, right? that means hotness is, is out of balance with coolness, then it's going to be painful. Even with hardness, whenever there's hardness out of balance with softness, there's going to be hardness. You feel it. Then air element, there's uh, expansion and contraction. This also happens 
when you are meditating, you feel like something pulling and pushing and pulling and pressure and all these things. So try to isolate this kind of pain into these different strands, uh, the, the properties of elements. I found out this to be very, very helpful. I, I remember when I was sitting like, like one hour and a half, and then I remembered this dissecting pain, and it, I broke through, and then I was sitting two hours. Two hours went very fast like this, because I was now observing different strands, seeing it rising and passing away. So this is very helpful. So when you are doing this, do two things, either zooming in, Zooming in, that means you really go like on the top of these elements, hardness, softness, whatever you feel, maybe hammering, pressure, stabbing. But sometimes you need to zoom out and then become more of sound. Hmm? So you have a, a larger picture and you can contain this pain. So try to be aware of sound so that you have this kind of spaciousness. Right? That helps a lot. So zooming in and zooming out. Now, along the same lines of full understanding, you need to start what you call full understanding through investigation. That's another kind of full understanding. You start investigating. So you investigate how does pain affect your body? You know when you have pain? How it affects your body? Sweating. You start sweating. For me, one time I was sweating when I had a lot of pain. I remember in our monastery in San Jose, California, my teacher is called, was called Sado Usilananda. He's from uh, Mahasi. <laughs> Also, he, in fact, he came with Mahas here to authorize teachers to teach in the West. He, my teacher was there, Saido Usilananda. He used to give a talk for one hour, and it has to be translated into Burmese, another one hour. That's two hours. And for him, he was just sitting like this. And me, I was a new monk there. Once a while, he would do like this, but uh, I don't know why, but he was doing but for me, I'm telling you, I nearly burst into tears. <laughs> I said, when is he going to ring a bell? <laughs> when is he going to stop? So every time I was talking, I was looking forward to the end of the talk, where they say, sadu, sadu. <laughs> I hope that's not what's ha happening when I'm giving a talk. <laughs> well, you're, I hope you're not waiting until I ring the bell. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm telling you, pain, you need to investigate how it affects your body. That's part of mindfulness, knowing, oh, my body feels like this when pain is around. Sweating, sometimes heat, it, it builds heat, sometimes tension. Sometimes we tighten, actually. We tighten our jaws. Just to sit in it, you know. So try to release, open your jaws. Of course, not open your mouth like this, but loosen your jaws. Be mindful of the tension and tightness and all that. So 
The investigation is very, very important so that next time when pain is coming, at least you are aware. Hmm? You are aware of it. This is very, very important. Very, very important. Sweating. Sometimes there's trembling, tension. This is very, very important. So next thing to investigate is how does your mind feel when pain is present? How does the mind feel? Ah, a lot of emotions. One such difficult emotion that comes when the pain is raging, guess what? Fear. My leg is going to be amputated. <laughs> I won't be able to walk after this seat. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's amazing how fear sneaks in when you have a lot of pain. Huh? This is just a thought. <laughs> this is a thought. Hmm? You are afraid. So, making a mental note or being mindful of fear itself is very, very helpful. Fear. Fear. Then, you go back to, your, uh, to the pain where it is. Another emotion that you want to watch how pain affects your mind uh, is aversion. Hmm? I told you that most of, for me, whenever there was, I had pain, first I looked at the cushion. And I, I used to blame people who actually had these cushions and were so hard. <laughs> so then there was a lot of aversion. I, was, I said, no, I should have come with my cushion. It's soft, you know. So that also you have to watch. What kind of aversion do you have? Another one is very common is worry, of course. Uh, we worry so much about our body. Of course, we have to take care of it. Sometimes anxiety arises. Sometimes we actually project pain, future pain, and we add to the present pain. And when you do that math, hmm? present pain plus future pain, what happened? That's double pain. So that you make pain worse by actually adding present pain to future pain. And also another time, most, most people have also this attendance, is to remember the pain they had during maybe the last retreat. And then the pain they have now, and they say, oh, it's gonna go, it's, it, it will be worse. So they're adding past pain to present pain, and if you do mathematics, that's always a two, two times as much pain. So people have tendencies to do that. Another emotion that also you want to watch, how pain affects your mind, is guilt. Hmm? I'm a bad meditator. Everybody is meditating very well. And then you, not a good meditator, not good enough. So you turn anger towards yourself, and that's what we call guilt. Hmm? Another thing, uh, emotion is shame. Hmm? I'm a loser. Huh? I'm a loser. If I'm to change my posture, I'm, go I'm not a good meditator. Uh, I, I, after all these instructions, after all these years of meditation, if I change posture, I'm a loser. This is not business, actually. <laughs> meditation, the good news, is not what? It's not business. So there's no losing, there's no gaining. Is 
trying to cultivate the path to liberation, to reach happiness and overcome suffering. But I think the most thing that you need to watch when it comes to pain, how it affects your mind, is desire. Ah, desire to change a posture. Is that familiar to you? Whenever pain comes, there comes desire to change posture. What do you do? You start look around. Where is the chair? Oh, it's all occupied. Bad news. <laughs> Where's cushion? Oh, you know. So you want to look for where you're going to go to the new posture. So now, what happens? Sometimes we cultivate almost three mental states about the same time. Hmm? About the same time. So we change the posture, autopilot. We go to an another posture. Three mental states. The first one is hatred for the old posture. Then attachment or desire for new posture and then delusion which kind of delusion you have is when you is that when you go to a new posture you are going to have everlasting happiness <laughs> but and but pain is there even in a new posture but it's not just obvious <laughs> it's not obvious <laughs> it, it will take another five minutes or two <laughs> Then another chair. <laughs> so that's why this approach is very, very important to be more mindful so that you guard your mind. Another function of mindfulness is to guard your mind so that it's not tormented by this mental defilement. So before you change posture, hmm, this is what you should do. Intention to change posture. Intention and then the intentions are going to rise and pass away. And then you continue sitting. Intention to change, then it passes away. And then another intention, then you can change the posture. That's fine. But here's how I work with the pain. I call it self-care and self-compassion. When there's pain, you're not going to see this, but maybe this is what I do. I don't know whether you'll be able to see. When the pain is too much, what I do is called self-compassion and self-care. I, I release. Huh? Release like this. I don't know if you see. Do you see? Release eh? like this. It's called releasing, not changing posture. Releasing. You release your pain and you feel real ease. I'm playing with words. <laughs> when you release, you feel real, real ease. <laughs> but what you don't want to do is to do like this all the time. <laughs> you lose concentration. <laughs> Self-compassion is okay. Eh? And self-care is okay. Some people actually are so much afraid of change posture or have what you call self-care, right? So this is very, very important. Further, you can do also further investigation into the universal characteristics of existence, which is called impermanence and suffering and non-self, selfless nature. 
So, if you look carefully and you've been observing the nature of pain, knowing, knowing the throbbing, pressure, tightness, you are going to see that it's changing all the time. It's changing all the time. It's changing all the time. But maybe you don't have enough mindfulness to, know, to pick the flow of the change. But it changes. So, this is uh, very clear if you pay attention. So you see the rising aspect, the falling aspect of the pain, and, and rising and falling aspect of pain. You can see it clearly. And sometimes it goes in circles, actually. Sometimes it's become, when there's pain and you watch like this, sometimes it becomes a little bit pleasant, pleasant pain. I mean, pleasant feelings. And sometimes neutral feelings. And then it keeps on raging. And, okay, I should change my posture, maybe. And then you become patient, patient. And then it's amazing to watch, actually. But when you are relaxed, please relax. When you are watching pain, you need to always check in to make sure that you are not tensed. Because sometimes you can be so tensed. So relax. So you investigate according to impermanence and unsatisfactoriness nature of pain. Of course, you, you know what pain is all about. And also the selfless nature of pain, the impersonal nature. I want to use the word impersonal, right? To really show that it's just due to causes and conditions. Eh? Contact. It's not personal. Don't take pain to be personal. Right? It's impersonal. It's a process. Right? So observing like this, it helps to deal with the pain. And finally, uh, as part of full understanding, uh, is called full understanding through abandoning wrong views and craving. This is a little bit difficult uh, to explain, but I think in further talks we are going to explain this more. It's not taking pain as I, mine, myself. These actually are deep-seated defilements if we are to take this stance, like this pain is mine. Mine is what we call craving in Buddhist psychology. And this myself is what we call wrong views. And I, 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 like that, uh, most people, of course, we have a tendency to do that. Uh, it's what we call conceit or mana in Pali. Measuring, right? Measuring last pain and this pain, the present pain and the future pain. So we measure which is more, which is less. So this is I, mine, myself. It's a little bit ex uh, difficult to explain uh, especially now you have a little bit of pain. <laughs> but you try to, to look at it as what are the mental states around whenever you have pain? Is it your pain? Of course, on one level, relative level, it's your pain. It's not my pain. My, your pain will never be my pain. <laughs> of course, on a relative level, it's your pain. But on ultimate level, it's due to causes and conditions. So again, we have to speak maybe about what we call 
and the, what we call um, reality, ultimate realities, and re relative realities. I think this is a talk we can talk about this because, okay, on one level, relative level, this is a, a, a table, right? On, maybe you can see this clearly. This is a bell. This one is a bell on a relative level. But on ultimate level is space, molecules, and all these things. So most time when most of the time when people say pain is not I, not mine, not myself, then people say, Yeah, it's my pain. It's my knee. <laughs> so so this is very, very important, uh, I think, to discuss later on what the Buddha talked about conventional reality, uh, relative reality, and, uh, and uh, uh, ultimate reality. So, but now you understand that, okay, at the moment, you take pain is not my, yours. It's just a process. At the moment, you can understand like this. Uh, instead of clinging on to pain or this my pain, just see it as a process. So, in other words, let us put it this way. You don't have to have copyrights of pain. You don't have to. <laughs> Just see pain as a process. I think this is very important. Let's see another thing that uh, helped me to deal with the pain is patience. Patience is very, very important. Patience, patience, and patience. Some of us, when pain comes, we think about, I'm going to, I, I told you what we think. Oh, my leg is going to be <laughs> in problems. But from my experience, little experience of teaching, I've never seen somebody who come out of a meditation hall and end up in the ICU. But of course... <laughs> I have a little experience, but we have to ask the, some of the senior teachers here. <laughs> it has never happened. <laughs> so be rest assured that me meditation, when there's pain, unless it's structural, like you need to say chiropractor, that's a different case. Hmm? When you need medical attention, some pain needs professional care. This is not to say that, okay, you know, when you have pain and, and you went to a chiropractor, you say, no, they want to take you to a chiropractor, you say, no. Mindfulness of pain, 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 pain. I'm telling you, uh, this is a, I have to tell this exactly because after this talk, people are going to say, oh, Bante, what about if I, I broke my, uh, my knee and they're taking me to a chiropractor, what should I do? Should I practice mindfulness? Pain, pain, pain. No, let's go to the doctor. No, no, no. Pain, 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 pain. Uh, it's like rain, 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 rain. You know? So anyway, as a teacher, I was going to teach in California. And uh, I was leaving for, from Sri Lanka to, uh, to go to California to teach. And I lifted books, my suitcase. And these are Dhamma books I was bringing to California, Spirit Rock. And I didn't know how I, what I did to my, my back. And I had a plane ride for 16 hours from Dubai to California. When I reached California, a lot of pain. 
And he's a teacher who's going to talk about pain. And he's in pain. <laughs> How about that for a start? It's good to talk about. <laughs> I'm telling you. They told me that, Bante, let's take you to a chiropractor. And then I went to a chiropractor and they told me to put some cold pack, something that is not in a tipitaka. <laughs> a little bit of resistance. <laughs> the Buddha have, would have told us what to do. <laughs> anyway, I managed to have a, cold, have a cold pack for two days. I was okay. So that's when I confirmed that there are certain things that may not be here. <laughs> we need to adapt. You have to sing things that need the medical attention, have medical attention, but still don't forget to be mindful. That's what I have to remind you. Patience and de determination is very important. Patience and determination. Instead of looking at the clock, oh, when is Bante going to ring a bell? I did it. You see, maybe don't hear, but where I was training, I had to do it all the time. Because teachers could give talk translated from, from English to Burmese to Vietnamese. <laughs> so then you'll sweat, actually. I'm telling you, literally, you'll sweat. And you, you, you start looking at the clock. When is the teacher going to ring a bell? I mean, you, you apply all the techniques I've told you and you exhaust them. <laughs> <laughs> then you are just hanging in there. <laughs> I hope that's not what you're doing. <laughs> I'm going to ring a bell very soon. <laughs> anyway, we have patience. Be patient. Maybe you know that pain kicks in in 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, another 15 minutes, that's what you have to deal with. Then you say patience. Try to remind yourself of patience. But don't be so much hard on yourself. right? Try to expand what I call your tolerance, le tor tolerance levels. Hmm? Uh, how much can I push an extra envelope? Another five minutes? Then breathe into the pain. For me, that works. Of course, you breathe through the nostrils. But for me, it helps actually to breathe in and then where the pain is, and uh, breathe out through that place. It helps me a lot. So there's patience and determination. Of course, I've talked about self-compassion. Self-compassion will lead you to shift your posture with mindfulness. With mindfulness. Because if you don't shift your... If you don't change your posture with mindfulness, you are going to cultivate a lot of greed, hatred, and delusion. So you have to shift with mindfulness and then go to your new posture where you are going to have everlasting happiness. <laughs> Never have to look back to the old posture. Good luck. <laughs> Friends, there should be a balance between actually patience and also self-care. There should be a balance. Too much 
Self-compassion will lead you always to do like this. Trying to shift. And too patience will lead you. When you have too much patience, you start sweating. 15 minutes sweating. So there should be a balance between patience and self-compassion. It's very, very important. So that you change your posture at the right time. I think that's what I have to talk about. Why did I bring this actually? <laughs> I usually don't bring this, but anyway, it's, there's something I want to share with you about attitudes. That's why I bring it. This is called, uh, this is Sanyuta Nikaya. This is one of our scriptures. Sanyuta Nikaya. I like this uh, discourse that talks about the arrow, the dart, you know, shooting yourself these arrows. Hmm? I'm going to read it for you. Bikus. You know who's Bikus? Sally mentioned it yesterday. <laughs> you. <laughs> Actually, this is very interesting. Eh? Uh, don't take it. Uh, yeah, this is, actually, this is written in, uh, in uh, one of the commentaries uh, by Buddha Gosa, commentary to Dhammapada. He gave a very good translation of what Biku is, actually. He said anyone who's actually seeing danger in samsara, in the round of birth and death, anyone who sees danger in the round of birth and death, of course, that person will come to practice. Any person who sees that, oh, things are not perfect out there, <laughs> let me practice meditation. According to Buddha Gosa, who is a commentator, he was a monk, he says he's a bhikkhu. But also when you look at the etymology, etymology I-K-K-H, that word in Pali language, it means to see, we, uh, to see or to look. We have it in upeka, upeka, seeing evenly. So I think it's not far from the truth that Buddha Gosa to say, okay, it's not only ordained monastics that are called bhikkhus, but also anyone who is actually uh, seeing danger in samsara. Oh, we have two minutes to go. Do you have much pain? No. I think you have, uh, you have to be patient. All right. <laughs> bhikkhus. There are two kinds of uh, people you can find uh, who can... Uh, uh, he talks about uh, the uninstructed uh, uh, un wildling, feels a pleasant feeling, a painful feeling, and neither painful nor pleasant feeling. The instructed noble one, uh, noble disciple, uh, also the Buddha here is saying that even somebody who is instructed, noble disciple, also feels pleasant, painful feelings, and neither painful nor pleasant feeling. So now the, the question is, what's the difference? between somebody who's not trained and somebody who's trained. What's the difference? But all these people also, they are experiencing painful feelings, pleasant feelings, and uh, neither pleasant or unpleasant. What's the difference? I like this discourse very much because it tells the difference. Here's the difference. I have one minute to go. I hope you know the difference here. Because... Okay, the sutta goes, because uh, when the uninstructed worldling or person 
is being contacted by a painful feeling, according to this book. His sorrows, griefs, and lamented, laments, he weeps, uh, beating his breast, and becomes distraught. He feels two feelings, a bodily one and a mental one. Suppose they were to strike a man with a, an arrow, and then they would strike him immediately afterwards with a second arrow, so that a man, so that the man would feel a feeling caused by two arrows. So too, when an, an instructed person is being contacted by painful feelings, he feels two feelings, a bodily one and a mental one. This message is very important so that next time when you have physical feeling, don't shoot yourself with other arrows. Why me? When the bell going to ring? Oh, it's about to ring. It's about. <laughs> so instead of thinking about bells or anger, version, this and that, so you can actually just stay with only physical sensations and then be mindful of them. So lastly, this one, because uh, when the instructed noble disciple is contacted by painful feeling, he does not sorrow, grief, or lament. He does not weep, beating his breast, breast and uh, become distraught. Uh, he feels one feeling, a bodily one, not a mental one, and so on and on. Let us sit. Thank you very much. Let us sit for a moment or two. Take a few slow deep breaths and relax. Just get ready that next time when pain comes, just pay attention to the pain. Don't create other kind of pain which are mental. Just stay with the physical pain. Some of the pain that we experience get worse when we add on mental ones like Agitation, anger, grief. I offer this for your reflection. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> 